This is the Made It in Music Podcast, show 122. Welcome to the podcast, where we bring you tools and resources to help you go full-time in music and to stay in. The music business is a roller coaster ride, changing faster than any of us can pay attention to. We all need a competitive edge to stay ahead and to stay successful. What's working, what isn't, and what's coming? That's exactly what this show is all about. Back again with Full Circle Music, the Made It in Music podcast. Hi, this is Seth Mosley, host of the Made It in Music podcast. Happy New Year, my friends. Hope your new year is off to an amazing start. I know ours is. We're already uh, dreaming and uh, full full speed running into 2019. Lots of great stuff going on here at Full Circle Music and our academy, which you are going to definitely know about. If you haven't done so already, please fill out our survey at fullcirclemusic.com slash survey. And why do we have a survey? Well, we are getting ready to put together our season two of the Made It Music podcast, and we want your feedback. So please head over. It'll take you less than five minutes, and it's going to make the podcast even more awesome than it already is. Fullcirclemusic.com slash survey. Today, we've got an awesome episode of the Made It Music podcast Full Circle Music's own Grammy-winning producer, X O'Connor, and Logan Crockett, our VP of Marketing, sit down with Becky Chapel, the Director of Music Business Studies at Anderson University in Anderson, Indiana. Through her creativity and knack for entrepreneurship, Becky found herself pursuing professorship after receiving her doctorate from Ball State University, and she soon was hired on with Anderson University and would co-found and direct the university's first record label, Orange House Records. Chapel is also a first-call studio clarinetist for many publishers in Indianapolis, Indiana. Very, very interesting. While making an impact on others, the music you create will impact your life as well. So Becky Chapel details many different ways to utilize music to be a positive force in others' lives and to make a difference. Becky is here to share her incredible story about how she made it in music, and she's here to help you do the same. And one of my favorite quotes from this episode is that she said, common traits for successful students are being driven and being great networkers. And I'll even expand that to say that applies in all of the music business. So this is a great episode. Make sure you head over to the show notes page, madeitinmusic.com slash 122, that's 122, to get links to the resources mentioned in this episode. Let's jump right into the interview at Full Circle Music in Franklin, Tennessee. Hey everyone, I'm Ex O'Connor, sitting here with Logan Crockett. And Becky Chapel. She is the director of music business studies at Anderson University in Anderson, Indiana. How are you doing this morning? Great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us mm-hmm. on the Made It in Music podcast. Yeah. We're excited to have you. I'm so Always honored to be here. Yeah. So you're in town with some students. Yes. Just uh, what, what are you guys doing? Well, I brought some students from the Orange House record label, okay. which is a part of Anderson University, and we're meeting with um, some producers and managers and record label execs. Uh, throughout the day just cool. to see what's going on down here and see if we can get some ideas for for our class. So, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about the the process your students go through? Like what what are they like what's the course of work they're looking to to push into? 
Okay, well, all of these are music business majors, of okay. course, upperclassmen yeah, yeah. uh, who are here. And the one of the advantages of the program at Anderson University, and I know Logan can speak to this because he is an alum mm-hmm. uh, of Anderson University, <laughs> uh, is that we really try to do an, a hands-on experience with music business with students right from the get-go. Yeah. In fact, you know, our motto is, if you haven't started your career in the music business by the time you get to college, you need to start it right then. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to come and sit in a chair at the end of your college career and say, okay, now what am I supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> because it's too late. Yeah. And in fact, we've expanded that and to say that even starting your career in music business as a freshman is too late. You need to start it in high school. So we started a summer camp for um, high school kids to, cool. to learn music business called Orange House Music Business Camp, where they can come and learn how to make money in the music business. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, that's actually a great segue into it. Mm-hmm. We have a couple like stock questions we like to fire oh, off at people. Okay. So for for you, when was it that you or how did you make your first dollar in music? Oh my goodness. My first my very first dollar. The very in music? first dollar. Yep. So this very first like, dollar. Yeah. This can okay. go way back if it I mean this to. if someone hired you to mm-hmm. play at a wedding when you were seven, mm-hmm. that would even count. Okay. Well, I'm a clarinetist. <laughs> okay. So I actually earned my first dollar playing in a Western Swing Band when I was 12 Okay, in Texas. So what were you doing? So was this just like a band that you just... It was for a private party. Okay. I was hired to play... Hired gun I was hired (laughs) at 12 to play in a Western Swing Band at a private party in Texas. So so coming out of the Western Swing Band, what what enabled you to kind of go full-time into music? Like, like give us a little idea of like your career path. Well, my parents were country Western musicians, and uh, I knew I didn't want to play in bars and go on the road, but I loved music. And so my band director said, you know, you could actually go to college and teach. And so I actually went to school and got a music ed degree, but decided I didn't want to teach in public schools. And so I went on to get uh, my master's and my doctorate and decided to teach in college and then found a love for music business. And I had kind of a, uh, a natural talent at being creative and entrepreneurial, which I think mu- most musicians are. Yeah, yeah for, you almost have to be. Yeah. Now. And so I just started teaching that to my students, and um, and I've been doing it ever since. And okay, I love cool. it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So what brought you into Anderson? Um, I actually went to Anderson College. It was Anderson College at okay. the time. But I did go to Anderson College, and then and I loved the school. It's a faith-based school. It was There were wonderful teachers, wonderful mentors. Um, and then I left there and went to grad school, and then they called me when I graduated from grad school and said, hey, would you consider coming back here to teach? And I said, absolutely. So I came back to teach. That's awesome. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, my, personally, like as a student who went through the program in Anderson, one of my favorite kind of philosophies that um, you like to talk about mm-hmm. was the fact that every every business mm-hmm. is the music business. Could you go into that real quick? And just I, yes. Tell, tell uh, the good listeners kind of the general idea behind that. And my students make of me because they all mock this. You know, I know every business is a music business, but I believe it because um, I woke up one day, and this was years ago, and, and we had really had a different path in our program. Our, our program was more like other music business schools where you learn the music business and then you intern at a record label and yep. then you hope you get hired from your internship. And we were kind of going down that path. And it's yeah. just like, this is not working. And I woke up one Saturday morning and uh, was had some things errands to run. So I go to Starbucks, of course, to get my coffee. And there's a 
download card for, you know, for some songs there. And yeah. I'm thinking, you know, Starbucks is really the music business here, you know? And then I go to Shoe Carnival. Yeah. Because I'm going to buy a pair of boots. Mm-hmm. And because I have uh, spent more than $50, I get this download card for 10 free songs from Shoe Carnival. Okay. I'm so I'm, think, at the so wrong I'm thinking, place, I'm thinking <laughs> oh my gosh, Shoe Carnival is, is the music business, you know? Yeah. So then I drive through McDonald's for lunch, you know? And, <laughs> and what are they doing? They're giving away this wild, this uh, kids, kids' bop CD yeah, or something, yeah. you know? And with every Happy Meal. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, do you know how many copies that they have sold in these Happy Meals? <laughs> because now McDonald's is the music business, right? Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, I go home and I get my mail and I get my my Nordstrom, you know, yep. magazine. And I'm opening it up, opening it up, and it says, oh, well, you because you're some Nordstrom's Rewards member, you can get this uh, meet and greet with Michael Buble, you know, who's going to be doing well, it. And I'm thinking, not pulling any punches thinking, either. They're busting out the thinking, big guns. And I'm thinking, well, now Nordstrom. And then I go in, and if you go into Nordstrom, they sell CDs there. Yeah. Uh, and then everywhere you go, of course, music is being played. Somebody's yep. paying for that. All so it's pretty hard to find a business that's not impacted by music. Yeah. So let's let's expand on that a little bit too, because before we got started, we did talk about how there's so many different avenues mm-hmm. to make money in the music industry. Mm-hmm. It's not about just selling records mm-hmm. and all that anymore. Like with dealing with students, how do you kind of like convey that to them? Like what thoughts do you give them to help expand their view of it? Because I'm, I'm imagining some kids will come in being like, oh, this is exactly what I have to do to make money in music. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we spend the first couple of years um, exploring some things. So every yeah. every course that you take has an entrepreneurial, like, like, like right now I'm teaching Intro to Music Publishing mm-hmm. and their final project is they have to set up a publishing company okay. and define their catalog and mm-hmm. what kind of songs and how they're going to make money from it and some create, you know, that, that sort of thing. But with the record label class, which has really been a great, great resource for uh, preparing students for the music industry, uh, because we're a small independent label, and by the way, the first artist that we signed was John McLaughlin. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So we launched his career. <laughs> and he's done very, he's very, done very well. He's done extremely well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've seen some of his songs come uh-huh. through here, <laughs> Yes. So, um, but at the beginning of the, uh, when we started the label, we were doing it like every other label where we, you know, we'd sign an artist, we'd develop them, sink some money in them, uh, try to promote it. And then after we did that for a while, it's like, you know, let's try something different. So a couple of years ago, <clears throat> Um, I went to the students, and because we're a small label, we can change our our business model every semester if we want to, or every year. So at the beginning of the year, I said, hey, uh, okay, so let's try something different. Anybody got any ideas? So one of the students said, you know, I would like to do a project to see if a music company can use their music to make a difference in the community and still turn a profit. And I said, I think that's a great idea. Let's do it. So um, I went out and procured two projects in the community. Mm-hmm. One was with um, St. Vincent Hospice Program, okay. where I went to their foundation and got them to write me a, a check yeah. that paid for the recording. And then, and, and then we also had the students uh, to take TV shots and to go out and perform for actively dying hospice patients. Oh, wow. And... The recording was uh, included 
comforting hymns from several of our alumni, including Don McLaughlin submitted Amazing Grace for that, which was Mm -hmm. wonderful. And then also uh, one of the students who later on went to get uh, a a master's in film scoring in in California wrote a 10-minute soundscape based on the pamphlet that's given to hospice patients called Gone From My Sight. Mm -hmm. So it was a beautiful album um, that we gave away, not a CD release party, but a live concert where we gave the CD to hospice workers and to the to the families of hospice patients. Wow. And then we, and the interesting thing about that project, and we made a lot of money from that project, mm-hmm. but the interesting thing about that project is that we thought that we were going to go out and make a difference in the community, mm-hmm. and the people that it made the most difference in was my students. That's incredible. You know, they, they became more generous, more caring, more competent, it was it was an amazing project, and that just probably shows them a different side yes. of of music yeah. in general and the impact that it can have. Yes. with with people all over. And then the other project that we did, we went to the uh, Madison County Juvenile Center, and uh, said, if you buy us instruments, write us a check, buy us instruments. What if instead of sentencing these kids to electronic monitoring or in house detention? Mm-hmm. You brought them to Anderson University every Monday and the Orange House Music Business, uh, the Orange House Records class. Uh They worked with these students to teach them songwriting and recording techniques and how to play instruments and sing in a gospel choir and play in a band. Uh And we also have a dance program there and to learn a dance, learn some dances. And so they did that for two years. We did that with those kids. And it wasn't about trying to make professional musicians out of them. Yeah. It was it was about using music to be a positive force in their lives and to make a difference in their lives. And I know that at that age, I went to a conference where someone said this, and it's so true. You can think back when you were 16 years old, mm-hmm. and you can come up with a playlist of at least 10 songs that seriously impacted your life. Absolutely. And changed your life. And when you hear those songs today, you still get those same feelings about those songs, right? Absolutely. Very much. But but you can't do that when you're 26, 36, 46, (laughs) 56. It's not the same impact. Yeah. Because music impacts that culture that much. And so we felt very fortunate to be able to work with kids in that age and be a part of their lives. Yeah. Um, We also, we took... um, we managed to form, and let me tell you, this was difficult because <laughs> I'm not saying these kids were the most talented, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. And they have issues and they're distracted. Yeah. But my kids uh, put together a band and they um, they taught them free falling Tom Petty, yeah, you know, because it has like two chords, yeah. it, you know. So, Just keep so. doing the same thing. Yeah. I've, I've so. They taught them free falling, and then we had a, a band, a dance troupe, and a gospel choir. And we took we took them to the state convention of all the juvenile judges at the convention, and had them perform live oh, to wow. a standing ovation to say, you know what? Instead of punishing these kids, maybe there are some other things you can do to be a positive force in their life. Yeah. So, so those were two projects that made us more money. <laughs> than any of the projects we had done in the past 10 years. Man, that's incredible. Uh, just the reach is, yeah. is unreal. Yeah. Well, when you think that, you know, that there aren't other options out there, there are always other options. There are for always other options. Musicians. In fact, we could have, we, there's, when we did the hospice thing, um, 
Of course, there, you know, there's a lot of money in, in hospital foundations, but also the funer- funeral homes were on board. It's like, yeah. we want to be a part of this project and yeah. retirement homes. And um, so it was it was a great project for us. Man. So uh, it's, it's blowing my mind. I, I love it. <laughs> so with students like that, I mean, I, I know you see a lot of students come through. Like, do you find that you see common traits in students as they're coming through that like that give them the drive to like, produce these kinds of projects with you or, or to even just take what they've learned in, in your atmosphere and push it out into the real world and continue to find success? Like, are there common, common threads traits. that go through each student? Yes. Um, first of all, they have to be driven. Yeah. They have to have a serious passion for music and for doing this because it's just, it's too hard. Yeah. You, know, it, yeah. you, you would not want to do it unless you had a passion for it. Because there's just too too many ropes you have to jump through to get to where you need to be. But um, if I can turn the question around and say common traits for those students who are successful, um, I would say, number one, that they're driven. But number two, that they're they're great at networking and they're well-balanced. Because most of the time, what, what really makes me sad is to see a student who's incredibly talented but they're so dysfunctional in yeah. other ways. In yeah. other words, they just don't show up or yeah. they're, you know, they just can't function that they really can't realize their potential, yeah. you know, and their talent. So it's more than just talent. In fact, um, I, I, I developed a course at Anderson University called Beyond Talent, mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship for Musicians, which is just about that. It's like, yeah. really, how much talent does it take? Yeah to be successful in the industry. There's so many other variables yeah, other really than are. talent. Yeah. Um, I went to a conference in New York several years ago with um, deans and heads of departments from Eastman, Juilliard, Curtis, mm-hmm. Northwestern, Colburn Academy, you know, all these, and here, Anderson University, yeah. you know. <laughs> and and the question that they were asking, the reason why they were there, it's, it's like they're going, here's the problem. We are graduating the best, the brightest, the most talented kids in the world. Yeah. And they can't get a job. And we don't know how to help them. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm saying, well, I don't have that problem in my school, (laughs) you know? Well, you create create a social atmosphere Uh as well. I feel like just from, you know, hearing you talk about the projects Mm -hmm. you you do and everything, there's a saying that floats around Nashville a lot that, like, you know, it's 90% not talent that drives you mm-hmm. to be successful. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's how you, it's way more about how you develop relationships, maintain Absolutely. relationships, you know, and there's just this social atmosphere to a lot of it that I think some kids now with the internet and like, I mean, I have cousins that when they go home to hang out with friends, mm-hmm. they got on Skype or they just chat or whatever. Mm. There's that that missing connection of being in a room to people, mm-hmm. like actually being able to sit down, share ideas you know, speak in a way that's not offensive to each other and stuff like that. And it sounds like you cultivate an atmosphere that promotes that and just like develops that inside of people, which I mean, I think for, I know for myself, the ability to like read rooms and know when to say things, when not to say Mm -hmm. things, when, when to just be invisible versus, you know, when to speak up. It's been a huge part of just being in the music business. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yes. Um, well, quick little tangent here, because, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about what you've done, you know, as a professor in a lot of the program. 
um, that that you've been a part of putting on. But you've, of course, also had a lot of success as um, a musician, musician yourself, and you, you've done quite a few things in, in the studio. Um, we wanted to ask real quick, because we, we haven't really had other people on the show who've had experience on, on the wind side as much. Okay. Um, so if you're, if you're kind of a, what I might call an untraditional uh, studio musician in the mm-hmm. sense of like most studios, you kind of think of they need guitar players, bass players, vocalists, etc., um, but but if you're more on like the wind side or um, you know some sort of more uh, orchestral instrument perhaps, mm-hmm. um, do you have any advice towards getting studio gigs and opportunities in the music business on that side? By the way, I'm so glad you don't play harp. <laughs> had a horrible experience with harp player. Oh really? Uh, yes. Oh too bad. So I'm I'm very excited yeah, about yeah. I'm very excited harp, about clarinet. Harp players and string players can be a little temperamental. <laughs> you know, we we kind of. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so fortunate that um, in addition to my full-time job at Anderson University that I'm a first-call studio musician in Indianapolis. And we actually get quite a bit of recording there, even some from Nashville, yeah. because all of Hal Leonard Publishing does all of their recording at Airborne Studio in Indianapolis. Oh, awesome. So, um, And then we do recordings for Lorenz and Shawnee Press and Alfred and several others. So I record mainly for publishers, although I've done some other special projects as well. But my my claim to fame as as a recording (laughs) artist is that there's this method book out called Essential Elements. Okay. And it's like, it's like, I think it's the number one selling band method. Okay. And there's uh there's a CD in the back. And then there's also, uh, you can go online. In fact, I've got the app on my phone where you can do the app on your phone. And you play these little melodies, and then it's got uh, all these different accompaniments. So you can play along and do like a reggae accompaniment or rock accompaniment or classical accompaniment. It's just it's just really fun. Yeah. So um, in the clarinet book, I recorded all the clarinet <laughs> stuff for, for the books, all the clarinet, bass clarinet, and alto clarinet. Believe it or not, people still play alto <laughs> hey, clarinet. I love it. For that method book. <laughs> and I was so proud because, you know, I'm, I was born and raised in Texas. And I was just so proud that Texas just adopted that as their method book for oh, all awesome. the band yeah. programs. <laughs> so you're living on Texas in Texas. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and you'd be surprised how hard is, uh, I was, they're recording some of those easy lines with, uh, with a trumpet teacher from uh, Indiana University. And we and we're looking at the book, going, well, this is pretty easy, you know. So you know, it's harder to do than you think to play quarter notes exactly the um, same, exactly the same <laughs> oh, length, sure. and put your tongue exactly on the same place on the reed, and try to you know, yeah, do that with a metronome. But anyway, <laughs> if I had any, if I had any um, uh, advice for people wanting to be studio musicians, I, this would be my advice. Uh, the reason why I'm the first call is not because I'm the best clarinet player in the area. There are clarinet players who can blow me away. But my competitive advantage is that I can play all styles. Mm -hmm. And I can play, for example, I play in a Dixieland band right now. I play in a Klezmer band. In fact, I got a gig next week. (laughs) I don't even know what that is, but I'm way into it. Come on. Jewish music. I play uh, in orchestras. So I can play all styles of music. And I can play all styles because my parents were country western musicians. <laughs> like I, I grew up listening to that, yeah. and then I was trained classically. But I can, you know, so you put me in the studio, I can, you know, throw a Dixieland piece. I can, I got this, you know, yeah. throw. So I, so that's a distinct yeah, advantage yeah. to be able to play many different styles because most classical musicians can't. 
And that's an advantage. The other thing is to don't say no. Because <laughs> if you say no enough times, they stop asking yep. you. Mm-hmm. So I try to be available when I can. So I kind of rearrange my schedule so that I know, for example, that a lot of the recordings are on Mondays mm-hmm. because that's when the Indianapolis Symphony musicians are off mm-hmm. and they're going to utilize them as well. So I know to kind of keep my Mondays free. And then the other thing, which is very, very important, is that... Uh, be nice to people. Yes. You know, <laughs> be a pleasant person because nobody, there are a lot of great players out there. And if you have to choose to sit by somebody in a recording session, you don't want to sit by somebody who's negative yeah. or, you know, it's just not a nice person, you yeah. know. So just being a nice person <laughs> will get, will get yeah, you the gig. You the personality. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's awesome. Be, be friendly much. and nice and, you know, if people like you, they're going to hire you. But if they've got two great clarinet players and one is, you know, not pleasant and the other is pleasant, who are they going to hire? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, the one that's Both easier to work with. Both of them can do with. the job. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah why put yourself important. in a stressful situation yes. if you don't have to yeah. do it? Should we hammer into these full circle five real quick? Yeah, let's jump Let's jump in real quick. So I'm very anxious to hear your answer to this because <laughs> oh you, are an, you are an educator. So uh, something we like to ask all our guests are, do you have a favorite book? or record that you recommend to everybody? Oh, uh, yeah, that Donald Passman book, Everything You Want to Know About the Music Business But We're Afraid to Ask. I love that book. Okay. I can't really use that book to teach. It's got a little bit of bad language in it for, you know, a Christian school. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, you know, use it in the classroom. Yeah. But I definitely give it to them after they graduate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And do you have any favorite records for... A favorite record? Um, like something that just yes. someone trying to make it in music should just, they should be aware yeah. of this music. No, but if they're, I, I, if they're going to be a songwriter, that Bob Dylan book, uh, I would recommend that book mm. for, for sure. The songwriting book. I love it. So something that we talk about a lot at our academy and then on the podcast mm-hmm. as well is mentors and mistakes being two different ways of learning. And mistakes mm-hmm. and failures can be a really powerful way of learning as long as it changes your outlook on right. things and kind of, you know, helps push you forward and grow some. So do you have a favorite failure in life that's just kind of helped push you to where you are? Favorite failure? Um, well... <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of an oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Most meaningful failure. You know what? Early on, when I, for, like within the first three years that I started teaching, one of my students gave me a really bad review. Okay. And I, and you know what? You, you think, the students think you don't know yeah. <laughs> who's doing it, but we know, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so, and I know who, I knew who it was. And, and I was, so wounded by that, so wounded by that, because I, I took pride in being the best teacher I could be, yeah. mm-hmm. and I did, I didn't understand, and I was so hurt and wounded, and it, it took me a while to get over that, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the poet Rumi says, um, a wound is a place that lets the light shine through, yeah. and and I love that, and it really drove me to really look at how I was teaching and to improve what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, and, and the other thing it taught me is when that happens, don't take it so personally yeah, or yeah. seriously because even though I used it for good in a positive way to improve my, my teaching techniques and the yep. way that I approached 
teaching. But uh, on the other hand, oh, it was probably 10 years later, this student actually came back to me and apologized. Oh, wow. And said, you know, I, I, I always wanted to tell you this, but I was going through some stuff in my life and it really had nothing to do with you. And, hmm. you know, I just kind of took it out on you. And it made, you know, it was kind of, I felt like kind of vindicated at that point yeah. and relieved. But I'm I'm not sorry for the experience because it yeah. did it did you know you you can't you have to constantly be humbly yeah. uh, approach your craft because once you start thinking you know it all <laughs> you're going down yeah you know? <laughs> it's the most dangerous time yeah. Dude. Mm-hmm. yeah so with yourself as a music educator and as a musician what would you say might have been the number one thing holding you back from accomplishing uh, what you have accomplished. The number one thing holding me back? Like trying to get into all of this. and Yeah. Oh. Is there something you had to overcome to, to kind of um, jump in? Okay, I'm just going to say it. Come on. I'm just going to say I'm it. I'm ready to hear it. Now, it's a different day today. <laughs> hey. But, you know, I started getting into this business 20, 20 30 years ago, okay, right? Uh, being a woman. Hmm. And it's because it was so male-dominated. And an example of this is that I was president of the Music and Entertainment Educators Association. Mm -hmm. And I remember being on the board, and I was the only female on the board. And I'm looking around, and there were so few female music business teachers. And I still don't see very many female producers. And I'm I'm going for it. It's like every time I see... Uh, one of my students, female students with potential, I'm saying, would you like to be a producer? Because yeah, we I, need more female producers yeah. in the industry because it's just so male-dominated. Yeah. So I think that would that would be it. I feel like I had to fight that wall. Yeah. That, that's a very real struggle for yeah. you. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> and I mean, it's gotten better to this day, but mm-hmm. still, I mean, I, they even say at radio, you know, it's still, it's still very challenging, you know, for, for a lot of women. So mm-hmm. it's good to see it's coming up some. But, yeah. But yeah, it's, I'd love to see more women producers and engineers Absolutely. out there. I mean, yeah. I, I'm the same way. Anytime I see any female come by with pr- pr- specifically production potential, I'm like, chase that because yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can be really good as a producer, I mean, that could be you know just a whole angle for you that yeah. you know, a lot women, of other people don't women have. Would make wonderful producers. They're oh, yeah. intuitive and creative. I mean, I just I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's the times are changing. Yeah. So <laughs> onwards and upwards. You mm-hmm. know, it's for sure. I, I, our last production retreat. I think it was. 50, I mean, it was only six students, and I think we were 50-50 yeah. male-female. Oh, yeah, so good. you never know; things are things are looking good. <laughs> so, you want to you want to round us out here? Yeah, yeah. Um, what is something specific like in your life right now, like a strategy mm-hmm. or a tactic or something you're implementing in your career that's just working well right now? You told us a few things that are working well for Orange House. Like, is there anything for you personally that you're doing that's just personally. working well? Okay. Uh, like as a lifestyle or whatever. Yeah, or, yeah, or, or uh, something that's yeah, kind of just contributing to success with what you're. Something that's enabling you. Yeah. You know what I? I've learned to relax a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, totally. You know, and I've kind of adopted that philosophy from the movie Frozen. Let it go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I used to. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I used to uh, be so stressed about you know you know and it's like you know what I just need to sit back do what I know. I needs to I need to do yeah. because it's all in God's plan and it's all going to work out the best and I am not in control of everything. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to do my best and sit back and plant those seeds and watch them grow and not 
take things personally and not try to be upset about things that I have no control over. For sure. So that's working for me. Cool. Um, if you were tomorrow to find yourself in a situation where everything in your music world was gone, mm-hmm. you didn't have a career at Anderson, you weren't getting any calls for um, studio gigs, anything like that, mm-hmm. what would you do uh, to basically start a music career fresh? Like, what would what would be your first step towards pursuing a music career if you had to start from scratch? Well, you know what? Whenever I, my students are always coming to me whining about, I'm not getting any gigs, nobody's <laughs> yeah. hiring me, blah, blah, blah. You know what? You create your own gig. Yeah. Stop waiting for the phone to ring and create your own gig. Um, I, I would just start creating my own gig. Yeah. Like right now, I mean, I, I always say this, but and I hope this never happens, but if I didn't have my job at Anderson University, I'd have more time, you know, to do other things. I mean, there's. Yeah. I wish there were 12 of me because there's so many things <laughs> I want to do it. and I just don't have the time. But if I didn't have my job, there's so many things I would still like to do. In fact, right now, talk about another uh, income stream. Um, I'm working with a job source in in Anderson to develop, and they got a a huge grant to develop through community service grant to develop an after-school program for uh, underprivileged children to take private lessons. Hmm. So um, I I could do that full time. If I wanted to, you yeah. know, I'm the director of that program. I found the teachers, helped develop the curriculum, got the schedule, got the place and all this stuff. So all these kids that they're bussing in who would have no chance of ever learning the violin, we provide the best teachers and the instruments. That's awesome. And they come four days a week That's, and, yeah. and do private lessons. And here's another case where job source is now the music business. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's everywhere. So there's so many, there's just a lot of opportunities. So I, I would just create another gig, you know, create my own gig. I wouldn't wait for the phone to ring. That's the entrepreneurial spirit right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge part of music now. That's awesome. Well, Becky, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you been for a, having me. I'm yeah, so honored to be here. I know, we've had a blast. And I'm so proud of Logan <laughs> being well, here working with you. <laughs> I, and I, I knew he would be <laughs> He was always one of my shining stars in the awesome. program. Well, we're glad to have him. Yeah. For Logan and myself, this has been the Made It in Music Podcast. Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you've been listening to the Made It in Music Podcast, produced by the Full Circle Music Company. Show notes are up at madeitinmusic.com slash 122. Check us out at madeitinmusic.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page for more incredible resources for free, just like this one. It's youtube.com slash official FC music, or you can just search full circle music. And as always, thanks for listening and be sure to give us a review on iTunes. If you haven't already done so, we appreciate your feedback. Head over to fullcirclemusic.com slash survey. Let us know what you think of the podcast and let us know how we can make season two even better. We'll see you on the next one.